Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on your time zone. Welcome to Decrypting AI, a weekly conversation about artificial intelligence and other emerging tech, if we have time. And we very rarely have time. In any case, I am here with our intrepid, talented, and as you can actually see, because it turns out the video was working last week and is working, is working this week, um, the handsome Jason Nelson. How are you doing? I'm good, sir. How are you? All right. All right. Uh, I just thought it was hilarious that we were just talking, thinking that we were in some invisible box last week, but this whole thing was actually being broadcast as is. So that was probably disorienting, um, but that's kind of what we do here. We're you know, a disorienting, decrypting bunch. I think it was fine because you know what? It let us flow better because, you know, we're, we're so used to talking to each other that yeah. it just started rolling. And I, I, I think it was good. And the response has actually been really well. So I I, I, I don't think it was a mistake. I, th I think yeah. we I think we nailed it for our first try. <laughs> well, thank you for tuning in wherever you are um, in this world or perhaps in the metaverse. Uh, but let's get down to it. Um, well, I mean, I don't know, Jason, what do you want to talk about first? Because it's been another interesting week in technology. AI just keeps rolling along. Um, I think we should probably start with uh, something we covered uh, yesterday. No, actually this morning. Uh, people are using AI to bypass KYC now. Oh, my gosh. That, and, yeah. So KYC has always been a big deal, especially in the crypto space, because it requires a lot of personal information to do sometimes. Know your so, customer, anti-money laundering. Anti-money laundering, know your customer policies. Um, and you know what? It, it stops, It it at least the, it attempts to stop crime, which isn't a bad thing. You know, uh, people shouldn't be money, laundering money. But what I think is interesting is that with just a few prompts and a $15 charge, you could get pretty realistic looking uh, fake IDs <laughs> through this service. And it it was an interesting conversation that we had internally because do you show people these things? You know, it, 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 it's that uh, double-edged sword. Like, we want to tell you about this interesting thing, but also are we telling you how to use it? as we're doing it. <laughs> um, always a, a, a challenge. And certainly people who are doing things they shouldn't do will sometimes say, well, I was doing it just to study it. Just it was just part it. of a, it was just part of, I was just curious. It was part of a, a project, uh, $50, you know, it seemed okay. So yeah, certainly we debated calling attention to a service that does things that could essentially be, and would most likely be used for, uh, improper purposes. What I also thought was fascinating um, at the core of it was that there's still briefly a human involved in this. It's not like this uh, service is purely AI. You still got to pay somebody, first of all. And then right. there's a little configuration and knob twisting on the other side. So uh, it's a service. It's a human service provider who is using AI to provide the service. Well, my, my thing is you're also joining a telegram group which yeah. is tagged to your phone number generally. So it's like, you're telling people who's using this thing. <laughs> so it's like, eh, maybe this isn't the best way to be using your $15. <laughs> well, the question being, if you are the person who is seeking out a service like a fake ID, you probably should know better than to use your personal phone. But <laughs> we know people are not that smart. And yes, the it's not just that this person who provides this service uh, can 
know who you are, but other people in the group can look you up. And more importantly, you don't know if he's just got this handy dandy content met or what do you call CRM somewhere where he's keeping track of all of his customers that exactly. could be subpoenaed or taken. likely the case. That's more than likely what's happening. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting that they were able to fool the KYC of a cryptocurrency exchange. So the quality was good enough to fake an account and get onto an exchange you weren't supposed to be able to get onto. I hate to say this though, but most of these services use like third-party services, including the one used in the, the article. Um, we should cite 404 Media um, for really blowing this story up. Um, but these third-party services actually use humans to check these IDs. It's like, there's still a, there's still that brief part. And what, what, what is most likely happening is this poor overworked person in Bangladesh gets a screen of like 30 IDs every 30 seconds and has to basically say, uh, pass, uh, pass. Like they're not scrutinizing this stuff. And yes, an AI based or trained on the scanned IDs of a million people can definitely come up with a convincing ID that would at least pass someone in that kind of verification scenario. If, if you print, if you tried to print it on a card and take it to a bank, it probably wouldn't pass. But right. these are online services that just say, send us a selfie of you with the, with the, the license in your hand. So easy to fool. Well, and obviously law enforcement was interested in this. The original Telegram group got shut down and apparently the website itself went dark um, just hours after the original 404 media story came out. So, you know, this this is a big deal, especially like because we've also covered in the past that law enforcement is really concerned about AI's use going into the 2024 elections. And if you could fake IDs like this, what else can you fake is probably what a lot of people in law enforcement are thinking about right now. Right, right. I, I, well, you know, good old Jose who did this story and is basically our guinea pig because it's like, oh, does this work? Can you install it on your computer? <laughs> um, was like, I'm not going to actually test this because I'm pretty sure that every three-letter agency is already in this Telegram group just listening. <laughs> Smart guy. Smart guy. And I don't want my phone number in that list, okay? So, <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's it's the deep dives we have to do. I mean, this stuff is only getting more advanced. It's only getting more scary. Um, I saw something on the news that they're rolling out AI lawnmowers as oh. opposed to helping landscapers. And I'm like, yeah, uh, okay. That, <laughs> I mean, well, I've, I, I think I have a friend who's like very excited by his mo his robot lawnmower. I'm not sure if it's AI though, but um, you know, everybody wants to do less work. So that's why AI is popular, but also AI could run over your dog and uh, your foot. So, you know, it's a, it's a mixed bag for sure. Well, uh, I, I should mention, I just pu uh, published your article from SEG, your second article from SEGLA? Yep. SE3? SE3? Yes. Um, so we can probably get to that, but I did want to move next to this uh, ancient scrolls thing because we've covered, <laughs> we've covered ancient scrolls and AI before, but a breakthrough was made this week. Well, I'm anyone who knows me knows that I'm really big in history and all things esoteric. So th this one really jived with me because so a research team um, used generative AI to decipher scrolls that were carbon frozen during the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Mm, yep. <clears throat> and there's, 
Sorry. That's, that's <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Completely disrespectful to the people. Uh, I apologize. Continue. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so what they had to do, though, because of the delicate state of the scrolls, is they had to be able to scan them without actually taking them through the normal process of how you would normally scan a scroll. And the AI was able to um, use the uh, magnifiers that they use, the, the, I'm using the wrong terminology, but basically how you would normally scan a document. They attached the AI to it, and then they were able to make the AI use the scanner to actually look at what was on the scroll, decipher what was in it, separate repeating words so that it wasn't saying the same thing over and over and over again. And then they were able to generate this image here and then translate that into a readable language. What I thought was fascinating, and you can imagine we've watched enough Indiana Jones, right? Like these scrolls are very uh, crisp. I mean, they they were toasted. They call it flash fried, I think, or somebody did. Flash fried, um, yeah. That's and, what it uh, so they've tried to unroll them and they just disintegrate into dust or they've tried to like every attempt to manipulate them physically has failed. So they have to stay in this rolled up state. So basically you're using a CT scanner, I think, right. to maybe slice it to different depths. But still, I mean, in terms of the complexity of the problem, I mean, the writing, when it's exposed to light, it just disappears. Like, it, it, that's why there was a challenge. It's sort of like the X prize for getting someone to the moon or <laughs> to cross the Sahara Desert. Um, but it's a, it was a prize that was set up to um, find a way to get this information. And now there's a prize winner. Now, what I, what I love about this, uh, aside from the historical aspect, is that the winner... The winner, the winning team was led by a 21-year-old University of Nebraska Lincoln student and a SpaceX intern. So shout out to all the interns. We gave you a lot of crap a couple of weeks ago, but we love our interns. And, <laughs> and you know, this just shows you the power of this technology where, you know, it would it used to take research teams years to do this stuff. And now months, weeks you know, to, to crank out the, so the, so the discoveries are just going to be coming faster and faster and faster now that we have this technology on the forefront. Very, very cool. Um, in terms of more on the, the AI side, I think we, uh, covered something that we'll probably track as it comes together, which I thought was a fascinating concept. Um, it was called enhanced games, like the idea of, and go, just going full on into uh, performance enhancing technologies, including drugs, steroids, whatever, um, uh, and seeing just how far you can push it rather than trying to remove it from the field of competitive sports. Well, so the Enhanced Games is the brainchild of Dr. Aaron D'Souza, who is also an attorney who led the Peter Till lawsuit against Gawker a few years back. And basically he said, you know, we want to see what you can do when you're on this stuff. And I thought that was a very interesting take because normally and in, in traditional sports, the Olympics, the idea is to, you know, natural people competing against each other, 
let the best athlete win, you know, that kind of thing. Well, this is let the best athlete win who's also on these performing enhancing drugs and see if it does give you the competitive edge to win this event. Uh, I asked him about that and the whole, you know, the, the fairness aspect of it. And I thought it was very interesting that he said, we're not testing for fairness, we're testing for safety. So is this drug giving you an enlarged heart? Is this drug, you know, damaging your lungs, things like that? Okay, if that's happening, disqualified, not participating. Right. If it isn't happening, knock yourself out. And, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And it's, it's, he's going to be presenting it during the Paris Olympics in July, which should give him a little bit of a, I, I think a, a pretty good boost in the whole when this actually happens, because we always hear about this person was eliminated for, uh, in, in using performance enhancing drugs. This person had a controlled substance. This person has a banned substance, yada, yada, yada. Well, he's basically saying, come to us and we'll still let you compete. And because we can expect, frankly, not to be too cynical, that during the Paris Olympics, someone will be disqualified for using something they shouldn't be using. It'll be fascinating to say or see that here on one hand, you have X who sets a new uh, you know, world record for the 500 meter dash, but then gets disqualified. Meanwhile, over at the enhanced games, <laughs> that record was a was blasted through like two years ago. And um, now we're setting completely different kinds of human achievement records. And it's almost like AI in the respect that at a certain point, you're going to be unable to determine whether AI was used in the creation of something. And rather than trying to sort it out or ban it, you might just as well embrace it. That's what I kind of think is going to happen with the idea of enhanced games is that performance enhancing like doping, that's one thing, but like some people think eating a specific diet is is cheating. Some people think, uh, I mean, we separate people who have, um, you know, prosthetic arms and legs because either, because at one point it probably was a disadvantage, but now it's an advantage to have, you know, two prosthetic legs to do a run. So well, uh, I like this approach. Well, and also, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken to other people about it and the whole Lance Armstrong thing came up and how he was, you know, doping and our, our, I forget what his routine was, but basically he was kicked out for in performance enhancing stuff. And he lost all of his endorsements and lost all of his things, but he didn't commit a crime. He just did something that was against the policy. So the idea here is, well, what if we put him against other people who did the same thing he did? Right. That's no longer anti, that's not no longer giving an unfair advantage. That's no longer doing something in secret that nobody else knows you're doing. It's out in the open and everybody's doing it. And which one of you is the better because of it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, well, and he did uh, mention that this does have, he, he likened it to AI and that when AI was pretty much considered science fiction up until GPT-3 came out. When GPT-3 came out, AI stopped being science fiction and started being science fact. And so the idea is when this happens, we'll see that this, the idea is that once 
people see that these drugs, these performance enhancements aren't dangerous, that you'll see <laughs> more of a people, more people going to see, okay, well, this guy is, is he had a heart condition, now he doesn't, what's he taking? Let me see if, if it'll help me too. Yeah. yeah, pushing the extremes is how we basically find developments that can help regular people. That's sort of what Brian Johnson says that he's doing. Um, I think that uh, that would be the billionaire who's enhancing various parts of his body. Um, but the when you said, like, as long as we can prove that these are safe, that's the question, right? Will yeah. the enhanced games prove this or will someone's heart explode halfway through a race and, and basically ruin the entire premise of what's he going to do? Maybe that's why people are going to watch. People watch NASCAR to see crashes. People right. are going to watch the enhanced games to see cardiac arrest. That's okay. Most, that's most of us watch hockey for the fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that that that's 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 true. I mean, you know, it's the it's the potential spectacle. Um, just seeing people run in a circle, even if they are enhanced, you're still just watching people run in a circle. So, <laughs> you know, we'll 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 see what happens there. Um, I I think our next one. Uh, we should probably talk about because we are talking about 2023. Okay. Uh, Before in the elections. Oh, yes. So Donald Trump came out on Sunday uh, talking to uh, Fox Business's Maria Bartiromo and basically was like, AI is the scary new thing that we have no idea how to deal with. Now, our, our former president has a habit of exaggerating <laughs> and, but at the same time there are studies that show a lot of people are apprehensive about ai and its role in the future so he's not totally off base with that um i do think it's interesting that we're still not seeing clear legislation about how ai development can happen right like you could do this but you can't do that you know that kind of thing yeah, and not there. Yeah, and we've discussed it before. I mean, that's one thing when you're relying on a big service like ChatGPT or Anthropic's Cloud AI to do things, but when you can run it on your local computer, you're not. You're, all bets are off, and right. that's why I think the idea of legislation is kind of fascinating. There's a there's a bill in Hawaii and in 44 other states, or the 43 other states, or 44 including Hawaii, to ban AI deep fake imagery for election disinformation. And the fair question that was raised by the Motion Picture Association, which is also going around the country submitting testimony on all of these bills because it's a concerted national effort, is to say, why are we saying that using AI to pretend to be someone else is the crime? It's pretending to be someone else that's the crime. I mean, if, if <laughs> it doesn't matter what they're using. If it's a really good uh, 3D rendering, which doesn't even involve artificial intelligence, or if it's a cartoonist who's really, really good with digital painting and is making a fake Jason Nelson saying, I love and vote for Donald Trump. I mean, that's the uh, it, the tool is irrelevant. It's the act that we should be concerned about. Right. And I do want to say that, yes, D Donald Trump is tapping into the anxiety of millions of Americans, but he also thinks windmills are scary. So I don't know if we should put a lot of faith in what he's saying. But again, talk about tapping into the zeitgeist. It's the scariest thing ever. We need to stop this. You know, it's bigly bad. Like I could, I, I totally see it. Well, I think it's interesting that he brought it up because that wasn't what the conversation was about. The conversation was about uh, central banking digital currency. And ah. then he just shifted it into AI. 
So I thought that was interesting that, you know, it wasn't even a, it wasn't even the topic of conversation. It was, well, he just went yeah. there. It's like talking to your demented grandpa, though. You're going to ask him, what, you're going to ask him how the weather is. and He's going to ask you for a sandwich. Like that's, that's just sort of what goes with the territory. Not that you know, I want to spend too much time talking about the former guy. Uh, all right. Well, I see this on the round, the round wine on your rundown. So I guess we will talk about the Apple Vision Pro before we get to Jose's story, which will immediately change the context of what we're talking about. Did you have any thoughts about the Apple Vision Pro? Did you have you tried one out? Did you go to your Apple store and put one of these suckers on? Oh, fortunately, my uh, local store wasn't doing demos. Uh, oh, my gosh. But I've seen enough people trying to drive their cars wearing one. Oh, that's their <laughs> one guy. Come on. He's not the only one. He's the only one that got caught. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I really enjoyed your article on your spending the weekend wearing one. So why, why, don't, why don't you tell us? How, how was it? Well, you know, I will say, first of all, that I tried to not tell anybody that I bought one. I, I, I see the glass hole stories or I saw them and I, and they're happening all over again and nobody looks great wearing a VR headset. This is, I mean, this might be one of the more Apple designs, but you still are wearing a giant honking vacuum cleaner nozzle attachment <laughs> on your face. Like it's, it's, there's no elegant way to go through it. Um, but yeah, uh, I was excited about specifically spatial computing, which everybody is raised, rolling their eyes right now because it's how Apple is not saying VR or AR or XR. But I do think after using it, and I, I encourage people to take a demo if they can get one, um, is that's what they're actually pitching. Like, I'm not going to play games in this thing. I'm not actually interested in this, like, the cutting edge stuff. I want the, you know, 76 inch computer monitor with four other apps floating in space. I, I, that's what I did. You know, I edited and worked on articles in this headset. I, it's heavy, but lying in bed with my head on the, against the back, totally fine. Not as heavy that way. So, uh, right. Is it worth 3,400? Probably not. But I also spent like $4,000 on the first color PowerBook Apple laptop. I mean, and wow. it was just this tiny little brick. I can't even believe it. Um, <laughs> but wanting to try something new, being an early adopter is is unfortunately one of my addictions. So I, I totally cop to it. Yeah, and, that's, uh, that's fine. And, and that's, yeah. why, that's why we're here. That's why we're the emerging technology team, right? Um, but okay, so, so since you've experienced it from the inside, uh, let's talk about the guy who was driving his, uh, riding in his Tesla. I don't, I don't know if he, was, <laughs> he might have been on autopilot, but it still, definitely was autopilot. Can you see clearly out of it, or is there like a blue uh, film over it? It's not okay. It's slightly less bright than the real world. Um, it is also vignetted, so on purpose, the edges of your peripheral vision are blurred, which. Helps you know that you're not looking at reality, but if you were trying to do something important like driving, it's sort of the most important part of your vision, second to what you're looking at straight ahead. But he was reading a book or something, or I forget what he was doing. Yeah, he was um, but I will say, having used the Quest, the Oculus, uh, I never used the Magic Leap, but when we're talking about augmented reality and seeing the rest of the world with things inlaid in front of it, this is the best we've ever seen. I mean, hands down. And the fact that it's a consumer product already is is mind boggling to me. I mean, people are juggling. They're play, playing, you know, they're playing toss. They're they're uh, Casey Neistat riding his 
skateboard <laughs> all around New York City. That's how good it is. Like having used those other headsets where there's even just like a half a second delay between what you're being presented and the real world. That's how you walk into polls. That's how you can't catch a ball, right? I mean, not that you should be doing these things, but you can do these things. And I think that's definitely worth pointing out. Well, and I think that leads us into our last story. Okay, okay. Apple says you can't use it for porn. (laughs) No porn in the Apple Pro Vision Pro, not a surprise, by the way. They don't, I mean, they, they auto translate changes bad words to ducking, right? Like, I mean, this is, this is where we are at in this world. Well, and, and, you know, like, like Jose pointed out in his story, hackers are already trying to make it do it. I mean, <laughs> yes. it, it leave it to hackers. I mean, I it's love 34. I mean, come on. You know, it. I, I love my hackers because you know, if, if you say this can't do something, yeah, now it can. Just give me a minute. <laughs> hey, if your gut bacteria can run Doom, then you can get right. <laughs> exactly, that's a perfect example. Like you use gut bacteria to play a video game, so yeah, anything can happen. Uh, but it's interesting because I wonder how much of that, and you know, of course, Tim Cook and top execs aren't saying. But I'm sure there's some type of legal component to that because porn has been a driving force in most of the modern technology we have. The reason VCRs, streaming, DVDs, right? That was pushed by the porn industry. So there has to be a legal component because there's no real reason why you can't show it on there, but it is not allowed. It's very interesting to me. And I, I, we did put in the article like what's what, what settings people are trying to use to get the existing three-dimensional adult content to work in these things. And I had to add like we're providing this for educational purposes only. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like they they already have VR porn, so it, it's right, only right. a matter of time before it's on one of these. Things. Only a matter of time. I, I, you know, I did enjoy the headline. I think it was the Verge. I forget who it was. It was they called it. The Apple Vision Pro, a $3,500 chastity belt. <laughs> like, and as Jose pointed out, there is an, there were entire communities dedicated to VR porn that were queued up, ready to fire this thing up. And they were all very disappointed when there were these um, controls in place to prevent them from doing it. But yes, they're not going to give up until they get it to work. It's going to happen. Just give it a few more weeks. <laughs> It'll be there. <laughs> Well, that's a um, high question mark point to to end things on. I recommend everyone go to read um, Jason's coverage of the LA conference for creators and uh, it's like entertainment, sports, and all of that. And they all came together and you did a story both on their takes on AI as well as their takes on, was it crypto? Well, it was, it was, okay, so you had two, two conversations going at the same time. You had, is blockchain necessary for ownership right right. and you know there's already mechanisms in place where if you buy something it's recorded somewhere that you bought it and a lot of the one of the rallying points about blockchain and by extension cryptocurrency and nfts for example is proof that you own something well these companies are saying i already have that so why do i need you and also you can't do it as fast as these guys can now Right, so it's right. like, you know, okay, justify yourself. I'm not right. saying you won't. I'm saying, why should I use that when I already have this? And I yeah. thought that was a very interesting conversation to have because, 
Okay, well, yeah, you do. You do need to justify your technology before someone invests millions of dollars in it. The, and on the front, yeah, the second story just live this morning or this afternoon, depending on where you are, is about AI and how creators use it. And I'm glad that it wasn't purely against it, but it had a lot of caveats, caveats for people to to keep in mind. But I want people to read it. I don't want you to, to spoil the story. So uh, tell folks where they can find it. But for now, for decrypting AI and decrypt and the Emerge Emerging Technology Hub, I'm Ryan Ozawa. I'm signing off. All right, everybody, thank you for joining us again for Decrypting AI. You can find us and all of our stories at decrypt.co, and we will see you next week.